Hello and welcome to the Travels with Jim Hamill podcast. This is the fourth episode of our France series and today we're going to talk about Mont Saint Michel. And what I want to do here is better help you enjoy your trip to Mont Saint Michel to sort of give you an idea of what it is you're looking at, how it got there, what are the best things to do, how to go about your day, and that sort of thing. So that's what I'm going to do. First, let's talk about what this is. Mont Saint Michel is a medieval abbey on the coast of Normandy. It's built on this tidal island, and so at low tide, it's surrounded by sand and beach and that sort of thing. But at high tide, it's surrounded by water. It's just a super cool, amazing structure, stone. There's an abbey at the top with a big medieval wall around it that you go in. And then there's shops on a street that sort of winds around on your way up to the abbey. There's these ramparts that you can walk around on the side. And it's just an amazing place. So the first question is, how did it get here? It goes back to actually the year 708. And the story is that St. Michael appeared to a bishop and his name was Albert. Anyway, this bishop had a series of dreams where St. Michael commanded him to build a church on Big Rock type thing. And it actually took three visits before the guy said, okay, that's what we're going to do. And he built this oratory at the current location of St. Michael. It wasn't as big and elaborate as it is now, of course, but it was a church at the top, and that was the beginnings of it. It became this sort of pilgrimage center, and it was that for the first couple hundred years until 966. And remember that number, because I'm going to talk about it again. That's when it became a Benedictine abbey. And so now you have monks living here and stuff like that. It was fortified about 300 years later in the year 1256. And keep in mind, this is prior to even the Hundred Years War between Britain and France. And that's significant because Mont Saint-Michel is on the coast of Normandy between these two warring parties. And it was actually besieged twice during this Hundred Years War. Once in 1423 and once in 1433. And it held out due to the walls and the fortifications that it had. And the British were never able to overwhelm its defenses and get it. So that was a big deal to the French, of course. After the wars, it remained a monastery, but it started waning over the years. By the time of the French Revolution, so now we're talking late 1700s, it had waned to the point there were only seven monks living there anymore. The revolution comes, and as I've mentioned previously, they were pretty hostile to organized religion and Catholicism in general. And so at that point, they ended it as an abbey, and they turned it into a prison. And it was actually a prison for a long time. Uh, all through the Napoleonic era, it was a prison. Even after the uh, Bourbons came back, it was a prison. And it remained that way until 1863. So we're well into Napoleon III's reign before that was shut down. But it's in 1874 that they decide, okay, this is a historic monument and we're just going to treat it as such. And so since then, it's not had any official use other than sort of historical monument and that sort of thing. There's an interesting thing that 
into the year 1966, it was renovated pretty substantially. Why did they do it in 1966? Because that was the 1,000 year anniversary of when it became a Benedictine Abbey in 966. And that's just amazing when you think about it, especially when you think about it as an American. You know, and our country is only a little over 200 years old. And so, you know, we like to celebrate things that are 100 years old, and that's a really big deal. 200 years old is an enormous deal, and that's about as far as we go. <laughs> and these guys got this thousand-year anniversary for this place that we're going. So that's pretty amazing. Anyway, since then, like I mentioned, it's just been basically treated as this historical place that people go and visit. But there is one aspect to it I wanted to mention, and you might actually see them there. There are people there from what's called the Monastic Fraternities of Jerusalem. It's a Christian organization of monks and nuns and that sort of thing. And they're there. They're not there as, as sort of caretakers or keepers of it. They're there as tenants. And they live there. There's actually four monks and seven nuns, apparently. They've been there for over 20 years, since 2001. And they just sort of pray and do their thing in the abbey at the top. And in fact, you'll probably see at least a few of them there. There were some there uh, the last time I was there. So keep your eye out for some of them. But that's one in interesting aspect of what's been going on with it in the last decades. So that's all about Mont St. Michel and how it came to be and what it is. Now let's talk about your visit. And I guess that starts with getting there. If you're going with me, we're going on a private coach and so we'll just set out from Paris and it'll take us three to four hours to get there I would think and that'll be how we get there. If you're not, the best way to go I found is to take a train to Rennes, that's spelled R-E-N-N-E-S. It's about an hour and a half by train and they run pretty frequently. And in Rennes, there are a few different car rental companies and you can rent a car there and it takes about an hour from there. And it's sort of funny, I've rented a car in Rennes before and I actually wasn't even going to Mont St. Michel. We were actually going to uh, different parts of Brittany. And when I rented the car, they said, uh, hope you enjoy Mont St. Michel. So apparently everybody goes to Rennes and rents a car and then goes to Mont St. Michel. Anyway, that's how to get there. There's a wrinkle to actually getting from your car to the island. Uh, and that is that you can't just drive up to it. There's, you can't even drive near it. You have to park in a parking lot that's actually like a mile and a half away or something like that. It's a pretty big parking area. You have to pay to park and there'll be signs pointing you to it. But you park there and then you can either take a shuttle and the, the shuttles run pretty frequently or you can walk to the island. Either way, and, and I've done both ways, both ways are fun, but if you're carrying your luggage, it might be good to take the shuttle, but uh, like I said, you can walk and it's a good way to sort of get pictures of it from afar. Once you get there, let's talk about that and how you might want to go about your day. There's one major tip I have, which is this. If you go, don't go as a day tripper. I mean, it's better than nothing, but the real magic of this place is going and spending the night. Because starting at about five o'clock, six o'clock, everybody leaves. Everybody's a day tripper there, they all leave. There'll be school groups there, there will be throngs of tourists there, and they all leave. And so at that point, you pretty much have the place to yourself, and that's really cool. It's really hard to get into the spirit of this whole place 
when you're surrounded by a thousand tourists or whatever there's going to be. There's three and a half million people visited a year. So there's always lots of people here. Anyway, so that's really my main piece of advice when it comes to this place. Of course, on our tour, we're spending a night. But if you're going on your own, that's the way I would do it. So assuming you get there sort of late morning, early afternoon, first I would get lunch. There's something like 50 businesses on the island. Uh, those are almost all restaurants and tourist souvenir shops. And so there's a lot of places that you can find to eat. I will tell you that none of them is spectacular and you'll actually worry. If you go look at the TripAdvisor rankings for all the restaurants on there, I think the highest one might have like two and a half stars. So th this is a tourist place, you know, by and large. And so don't go looking for the finest French restaurants or anything. Although I will say, I've eaten there several times and found the food to be pretty good and never had an issue. So I think that some of the people in these reviews may have had, I don't know, unrealistic expectations or just be hard to please or I don't know what, but I haven't found it that bad. But get some lunch, do whatever. You'll have plenty of places to choose from. Then I would go to the Abbey. The Abbey's at the very top. So you're going to have to walk up a lot of stairs and, and it's like a big winding cobblestone road to get to the top so comfortable shoes are in order and then it'll i would think a couple hours in the abbey will probably do it uh, but you can sort of work your way through it it's pretty much a self-guided tour that you go through the whole sort of complex and it's really cool it's worth spending some time working through but i would do that sort of first while it's open Speaking of that, then I would work your way down via the main street and stop at the shops. A lot of them close up once the tourists start leaving at 5 or 6 or whatever. So even though you'll have the place to yourself at night, you won't have access to a lot of these, these shops. So if you want to go in there and buy anything or get a crepe or whatever, then I would do that now. Then I would basically, once people start leaving, spend time walking around. Climb up on the ramparts. That's great. That's the outside of the wall and you can walk around a lot of it. And, you know, you get good views, but of course the views from there don't have Mont St. Michel in them, so they're not that great. But it's worth going up there and checking out. Get dinner. Like I said, there's several restaurants there. And then at sunset, I would walk out more onto the beach, assuming that it's not high tide and there's not a lot of water around and take photos from the outside. You know, you might just want to walk a few feet away and get it from it there, but I've found it pays to sort of walk away from it. Get a little foreground in there. There's a, a river that's nearby. It's actually the river that separates Normandy and Brittany that, that goes right there. And you can use that as sort of a foreground element and then get really cool shots of Mont St. Michel in the distance. And that's really cool. So don't just go right outside it. Kind of walk away from it a little bit and check it out. And I think you'll get uh, some good pictures. Then that's about all I'd do uh, for that day. And, and that's plenty. The next day, I would get up crazy early. It's really cool to see Mont St. Michel before sunrise. There's absolutely nobody uh, walk around, check it out, go get sunset pictures, I'm sorry, sunrise pictures outside before breakfast. And that's a really cool thing. And then get breakfast and then I would head out from there. So that's kind of how I would organize my day uh, for, you know, you're, when you're going to Mont St. Michel. Now, like I mentioned, the real magic is staying there. There's, I think, three hotels. Prepare yourself for 
small rooms that remember you're in a thousand year old structure and prepare yourself for having to go up through some tight stairways and things like that. But they're nice, you know, they're not bad places to stay. And I always stay on the island. They have other hotels that are near the island. So when you're making your arrangements, you have to watch it because you'll see Mont St. Michel Hotel listed and it'll be sort of just nearby. And to me, if I'm going there, I'm staying on it. And I just think that's an important thing. Anyway, I think that's pretty much what you need to know in order to prepare you for your trip. A couple of other little tidbits for you. People live on the island. At last count, there were 29 people that actually lived on the island. Interestingly enough, there's actually more businesses than people on the island because there's closer to 50 businesses, like I said. There's no cost to get onto the island. The Abbey is like 10 euros or something like that, but just going onto it and walking around doesn't cost anything. The tides, just Google Mont St. Michel tides and you'll see it. If you're coming on tour with me in a few days as I record this, then what we're looking at is when we get there, it'll be pretty well high tide. High tide is around noon on that Friday that we're getting there. That'll work its way into low tide at 6.38 p.m. that evening. So when we go take our pictures in the evening, it'll be pretty well low tide. But it'll come up by a little after midnight, it will be high tide. And keep in mind, it's going to stay light pretty late. It'll probably still be light at 10 o'clock when we're there. So we can have basically high tide and low tide pictures, I would think, uh, with some, some daylight in them. Uh, when we get up in the morning, it'll be low tide again. Low tide on that Saturday is 7.08. That'll be nice because that way you'll be able to walk around and check things out. And like I said... The morning is awesome before the tourists get there and, and really nobody's up yet. And, and that, that's when you really sort of have the place to yourself. So anyway, I think that should pretty well prepare you for your trip to Mont St. Michel. You are going to be amazed. This is going to be a trip highlight and that is saying something because this trip is going to be full of highlights. This is one of the most amazing places I've ever seen in my life. And I just pretty much guarantee that you will love it. This is sort of a basic overview. There will be some additional information about it up in the Abbey and near the Abbey when you walk into that. So be sure to get one of their little brochures and check it out. And that'll give you some more specifics about uh, some things about the Abbey and the island. And they'll also have pictures too uh, of it at various stages at, at different times, you know, from the early days and, and its times in between now. So you can see sort of when the walls were built and, and that sort of thing and what it looked like at different points. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this and found it useful and I'll see you in the next one of these or for those of you that are coming on tour in a few days, I'll see you in Paris in just a few days.